Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa and welcome back to the verbal outpost uh, where we've been talking about credit and the society of credit and how that can lead to debt. And the last point we discussed is um, why people can end up in debt. And in summary, um, you know, we've got the people who take out loans to live a certain lifestyle, uh, you know, effectively putting their wants over their needs, even if they can't necessarily afford it. Um, you know, societal acceptance, those kind of reasons. Um, and you have people who have poor money management who may actually be financially able in terms of income, but due to their poor management, they end up in debt. Um, and then obviously there's people who might have little to no understanding of credit and debt. So they just see the advertised benefits, as it were, and just go by that rather than really understanding it in, in more debt. Um, so on that, would are there any valid excuses somebody could have for being in debt? So we've talked about, you know, people choosing to be in debt, like, you know, putting their wants over their knees, but are there any valid excuses that somebody could have for being in debt? Are you talking about from a Dean perspective or from a Dunya perspective? Any really. Uh, I mean, it was more of a Dunya kind of thing, but I guess, yeah, you could put Dean aspect as well. I think, so if I answer that in two ways, I think the Dean perspective, none of us are really scholars. Um, although, to be honest, yeah, the bar of scholarship probably isn't that high anyway. <laughs> um, but no, we're not scholars. So from a Dean perspective, I think there's that argument. I really hate that word, majbouri. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, so Shafiq, basically, that means necessity. Oh, okay. Right. So it means that we've got no other choice but to do it. And usually, yeah, that would be all right. We're going to buy a third house. For yeah, we're going to take out a mortgage because it's majburi, it's permissible. So I think that gets rinsed out a little bit from mm. a Dean perspective. Um, but again, I mean, some scholars have said that in very strict circumstances and in very specific situations, uh, it's permissible. I know some have said that, um, but many have said it's not. Then from a dunya perspective, um, is there a valid excuse? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole reason. There's a whole raft of reasons people get into debt. And we talked about people that end up in hard times. So, I mean, that's mm. a very good example of people who don't choose to and it's not like they're living life on the edge, but they're just in a sticky situation. And the truth is it can happen to any of us. Yeah. That can happen to any of us. That, that That's not even poor financial management or poor money management. Anything could happen. Um, and you're financially broke and you've got very little. And in those circumstances, you may have to rely on debt. And th 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 that's when it's really majbouri. <laughs> but, you know, when it's a real necessity because yeah. you can't put food on your table or clothes on your kids back, then it becomes quite different. And then uh, I think let's not judge people too harshly that are in debt because I would probably say a minority that are in debt with 
uh, a valid, what, what would it, I wouldn't even say a valid excuse, but out of necessity, it is Majibuli for them. So that's how I would say it. It's a shame there's no alternative, though. That's what I'm thinking is that um, I'd like to think that if I was ever in a situation like that, where I felt like I had to have a credit, um, what would I fall back on? I'd, I'd be relying on my family, to be honest. I'd hope, you know, without getting out alone, I can rely on my family. Well, well you know what, Shafiq? Have you heard of the term committee? <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see I see Raheel smiling. Raheel knows what it is. I've heard of it. I have a, yeah, I have a rough idea of how it works. Yeah. So, so committee was a brilliant system when our parents came over and there was a big expense that they had to... Uh, pay for community was a it was a way to get cash flow quite quickly and because so typically when you take out a loan um, there's the interest okay but then there's a large element of risk as well so you know the credit rating that's measuring mm -hmm. the risk it's quantifying the risk so if i give you the money are you going to go and do a runner with it are you going to be able to pay me back right mm -hmm. so i know what i know what profit i'm going to make because that's the interest Okay, but how much risk is associated with you? Hmm. So with committee, there was minimal risk because everybody knew everybody else from the village back home, from the bind back home. Yeah. Everybody knew everybody <laughs> else. So there was zero risk. I remember asking my dad and he said that, yeah, that, that never happened where somebody would run off with the money. So typically, yeah. what, would, typically what would happen is that you would pay X amount, yeah, 200 pound every month. Okay. Um, well, let's say a thousand pound just to make it easier. So you pay a thousand pound into committee every month, and then at the end of it, there's twelve thousand. So everybody gets their turn. One person will get their turn every month to tap into the twelve thousand. Okay. Yeah. So if you needed to buy a car or whatever, whatever it was, if there was a big expense or a wedding, six months into it, you could say, "Can I have the twelve grand now?" At the end you know, halfway through the year when you haven't yeah. paid the full amount in, then at the end of the year, everybody's paid in 12 grand and the money's been distributed uh, fairly. So th that's an alternative that was used, but completely gone now for yeah, varying reasons. I was about to say, is that something that we can apply in today's society though? I highly, highly, highly doubt it, which unfortunately probably says mm. more about us than it does anybody else yeah i was gonna say isn't that more thing. of a yeah that's more of an issue with us than trust and yep yeah that's that's a topic for another radio show i think just how bad we've all become <laughs> as, as <laughs> a second as a second generation immigrants so yeah yeah and obviously we, one of the other reasons that somebody could end up we talked about it a little bit earlier is you know the scams and the frauds that are out there carry people off especially vulnerable people um you know whether that's a phone call or a text or an email hey, here's a question for you then so excluding vulnerable people because i can i can understand with vulnerable people hmm. it's awful when and if they get scammed because yeah that they're not in a position to know any better and that's a real shame when it does happen but what about somebody who gets scammed who is quite well off and has built quite a large nest egg but has been a little bit because 
usually the way these scams work is a scammer will tap into a person's greed mm. and they'll promise a certain return of look you know you give me a hundred thousand and i'll give you 25 percent on top of that at the end of the year 125 at the end of the yeah. year yeah so it tapped I'm, I'm i'm not saying scamming is acceptable in, in any way at all i'm just questioning right i'm just playing devil's advocate here mm -hmm. about how much sympathy do we have when the people that have been scammed uh were expecting a much larger uh return on investment where you know the saying it's too if it's too good to be true it normally is where you know yeah. they actually believed it was true and greed got the best of them yeah i mean there's some scams like you said that uh, should be quite blatant um i mean the first thing that comes to mind is the email from somebody who's in a country from africa or something and they're rich relative or uncle has passed away and left a huge inheritance and for some reason they want your help to gain that inheritance and in agreement they're going to give you half of that which is going to equate to 20 million dollars or something <laughs> clearly that's not going to be realistic is it so there's something that are going to be quite blatant but i do think that there are scams out there um that are equally difficult even if you're not necessarily vulnerable you know whether it's mental capacity or age or whatever that can be quite well concealed. Um, I mean, I'm quite skeptical. So if I get an email or a text, I'm always questioning it, but not everybody will. They might see a text and it looks genuine or an email. Even the email address can be fairly well disguised to look like, I don't know, it's from your bank or something. And then somebody falls into that through, you know, things like phishing, where you put your details in and they just captured it and that's it. They've got access to your bank account and they commit bank fraud. So I think there are varying scales within the fraud system. Yes, there are quite a lot of scams that are blatant. And aside from you know the, the vulnerable category that we mentioned, yeah. we shouldn't really be falling for those. But at the same time, I do think there are scams where you have to be a bit more aware and observant about. Absolutely. And again, most things that we talk about are on a spectrum and i see this being on a spectrum as well so if we put vulnerable people on one side and then we talk about um on the opposite extreme possibly big financial institutions that go and you know for example bernie madoff and his ponzi scheme that he ran about 15 years ago I'm not sure whether mm. you guys remember but he had big institutional investors big banks that were investing in him so I think the sympathy starts to drop a little bit mm. as you go further up or down the scale, depending on how you look at it. So again, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd see it as a spectrum of sympathy, mm. I think, with fraud and scams, with most individuals being on one side, where unfortunately, you know, you just have been outsmarted by somebody or, you know, somebody vulnerable. But then there's, there are many people that are pretty greedy as well. Here's another one for you then. How about identity theft? So somebody's stolen your information, your identity, and taken out loans in your name, credit in your name. They've taken advantage of it. Um, 
they've got all the benefits of that credit, but left you with the debt because it's under your details. And I, I think we might have touched upon this potentially under when we was talking about um, social media a couple of weeks ago. But do you think that's something that we bring upon ourselves, or uh, in terms of identity theft? Yeah, yeah, that's a real tough one. Again, as with most things, it entirely depends on how careful you are, because it it can be a genuine mistake, right? Where mm. yes, somebody hacks into your again. It a, a large part of it depends on how financially literate you are and how switched switched on you are with some of these things. Not everybody is like that. No, because um, of people who have mental health that could fall into these traps, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's of a big course. one. Yeah. You have to worry about those sort of people because um, mm. that impact that will have on them will be huge. You know, it could be life-threatening for some of these people. Um, you know, you hear about in the news people who, you know, just couldn't manage it. Um, they've got family that are dependent on them and, you know, they're in debt after debt. You know, what do they do with themselves? It's horrible. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is to this, but we're we're talking about vulnerable people and the impact of debt on them. And I I mentioned the point before about 18 year olds. You turn 18 and and and, and talked about the business model of uh, debt based companies who profit from you being in debt. So what happens when you've got a vulnerable person? up against this business model, this system, mm. and they are legally, yeah, they're over the age of 18, so they're legally able to make their own decisions and accountable yeah. for their actions. And that's the really, I think that's the real devastating part of it. I think that's, that's the saddest part is where it impacts people like that. Yeah. And unfortunately they get left behind and they get screwed over basically by by this business model. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking as well, like if let's say a family who um, have to relocate, whether it's because they can't afford the rent or the mortgage, so, you know, the banks repossess the house or, mm. you know, um, the government are paying for the rent. So they're having to move to a smaller property. Um, it's no longer in the neighborhood that they were in. Um, so they're moving away from any family or friends or neighbors that they were close to who maybe they were even dependent on occasionally. They no longer That's have support that support network, system. Yeah, that support yeah. network. Schools, the kids can no longer go to the local school because now they're moving either to a completely different town. You hear about it from people in London and stuff who could no longer afford to live in London. So they're having to move up north. They're being relocated further up north. Um, you know, no family, nothing near them. The, mm. the mental, you know, the impact it will have on their mental health is going to be huge when that's it. You've got no friends, no family. It's just you guys. I mean, and the government have no choice. You know, they're, they're, they're having to just put people wherever they can find them, really. It's, you know, people are desperate. People are becoming homeless. So mm. you've got a family of kids who are stuck in this one bedroom place and they're like, look, they need a house okay we found a house but unfortunately it's you know 200 miles away and that's where we can put you i can't imagine what they'll be going through and just and just to be careful as well because there's this perception that they're a bunch of freeloaders and they don't want to work and they're rinsing out the system and you know that th this could be pe people like carers you know young carers who are having to look after somebody 
uh, or it could be having to look after a disabled person. So it could be someone who is perfectly capable of leading their own life, but they're having to care for somebody else. So, you know, again, there's a whole plethora of reasons and scenarios and circumstances. It's not a monolith. Again, it, you know, it's another spectrum. You've got some people that are abusing the system. You've got a lot of others that unfortunately are a victim to it. Yeah, uh, another one is, is, is financial abuse, isn't it? You know, um, partner or family member almost threatens you to take out some form of credit service so that they can benefit from it. Similar to the, the fraud that we talked about, but this is more person to person, I guess. Um, and they just financially abuse them and then a couple of years down the line, they leave them with all the debt. But do you, do you think people can get out of debt once they're in that situation? Or do you, would you say they perhaps even choose to stay in debt or are stuck in debt? Is there, a, is there always a way out? Or can it be where somebody's genuinely stuck? It depends who they've got around them. If they've got sort of the right people around them that can advise them correctly and point them in the right direction about how to maybe consolidate their debt to help them out, then yeah, you know, that's what they need. But if they haven't got that, then I can't imagine they'd be able to get out of debt, you know, um, with it being a business and all, um, it's going to be difficult. You, you might not have, you know, the support network around you, but there are a lot of charities out there, you know, set up for this particular purpose to help people get out of debt. So do you, do you think people should be using the service more or do you, do you just think that they don't care about it anymore? You know, cause it can, it can lead to mental health impacts, can't it? Like we talked about. Yeah. But maybe some people feel maybe almost embarrassed to go to anyone, even if it's a professional service to go to them and ask for help. Um, let's say they've had a particular lifestyle where they've been this confident person, always been quite good with their money. Now suddenly they're in, you know, in debt and now they're having to seek help from, let's say, a charity. It's like just put, getting your foot through the door and speaking to someone and discussing your finances. It might not be something you're that comfortable with. So you end up thinking, you know what, I'll just sort it out, I'll just deal with it by myself somehow. And just, I don't know, I, I feel like there are people like that out there who may yeah, not they, be they so comfortable will, speaking about it do you not think this this is more of a you know putting um comfortability over you know the priority of getting out of debt so you know we talked about people choosing a lifestyle um and, and i guess pride keeping your pride over speaking to somebody to help you is similar to that perhaps and i think when people are desperate uh, you know, you'll have two types of people, I guess. If the people are desperate, then yeah, they'll do whatever they need to to make sure you know they get the help they need to manage their finances. But then there's probably the other side who are trying to keep some sort of a public image um, and keep everything under the books. And the only way they'll probably be doing is keeping themselves in debt and borrow more money to cover the previous debt and then take another loan out once that one comes up. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I can't really speak from personal experience, but there's a reason sort of so many people are in debt at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, right now we're going through COVID, which is uh, a, an un unusual situation, as it were. But I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, I speak to a lot of customers who are in debt, and you, you do have a lot of people who have been financially impacted by this, and you know, normally they're very good payers, but because of COVID they've been impacted. But then you have this opposite end 
where people are using COVID as a cover, but actually when you, when you look at their payment history, they've been in debt with you for the last four years, five years, possibly even longer. So yeah, they might've been impacted financially by COVID, but was that really the source problem? Do you get a lot of people like that then, um, you know, calling up and speak to you and you're like sort of looking at their payment history and just thinking, oh, this person's just always been bad with money. You know, they're using COVID. Yeah. I mean, just one quick example. There's one account I saw uh, last week. I'm obviously not going to mention any security information or names <laughs> or anything like that. But I looked at the account and I've literally three, four years, zero payments, literally no payments. And they'd called up in around mid-2020 to say I've been impacted financially by COVID. And I'm thinking, hold on a sec. You've not paid anyway. So <laughs> where's this come out of the blue? You've not spoken to us for the last four years. And now you're using COVID as a cover. And you still haven't done anything for the, for the second half of 2019 to try and resolve that. So for, for, for me, you know, working with people in debt, yes, there are people who are genuinely in that situation. but Again, as we mentioned earlier, there are people on the other end of the spectrum. Do you think that maybe the support system in this country for people that are in debt is actually quite good? And that's why people are maybe staying in debt because they think, look, oh, yeah, I just take out another loan to cover that loan. Or, you know, if it's a business, I just say I'm bankrupt and that's it. It wipes all the debt. Um, student loans, you got a student loan, but if you're not earning enough after, you know, once you're employed, that's it. You you don't have to pay that debt back or whether you even get a job, you know, stay unemployed and that's it. You don't have to cover that debt. Do you think it's just too easy and that's why people aren't that concerned about it? I think getting into debt is very easy. And I think just, just take it, like we said at the beginning of the show, just the availability of people with low deposits. I mean, you have 5% deposit. You can buy a yeah, 400,000 pound house with a 20 grand deposit, yeah, with a 5% deposit. So it's incredibly easy for us to mm. tap into it. I think that's the issue. Again, it just comes back down to that business model. And actually, if you want proof of the impact of it as well, just look at the credit crunch uh, 13 yeah. years ago now. Look at what happened there. Ultimately, that happened because a global, yeah, that was a financial global pandemic. So how we've had COVID from a health perspective, a financial perspective was the credit crunch 13 years ago, which a large part of it was down to debt. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point that you mentioned, Hamza, because it's not just individual impacts that debt can have on it is to the wider society as well and you know to the economy um yeah yeah and uh yeah it's a real shame because the credit crunch 13 years ago ultimately was all of us paying money into our bank accounts and so I'm not sure that you guys are familiar or whether listeners are familiar with how a bank works, but they take our cash, our deposits, the money in our bank account, and they go and lend it out to people for mortgages, credit cards, all of that. So they actually take the money and then go and lend it out to other people, uh, charge interest on top of that, and then mm. 
the assumption is that we we're not all going to be withdrawing our money at the same time if we did the system would collapse and then uh, that's what caused the recession because a lot of the banks were taking our money and they were lending it to very 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 high risk people in america which was called subprime mortgages and they were giving it out to a single mother who did not work who lived in a trailer and wanted to buy a five bedroom house so they were giving her mortgages so obviously that woman never paid the money on her mortgage and you had all these debts that were being unpaid and that was one of the main causes of the recession of the credit crunch so yeah debt can be an awful thing for society you all need to go back to putting our money under our mattress man and just saving it here. forget forget <laughs> the banks man forget the or banks committee. <laughs> or committee. committee. <laughs> right i think we're uh, out of time unfortunately uh, a lot of points that we've covered but many more that we haven't been able to cover just purely down to time um but you have been listening to the verbal outpost so please do drop us a comment or drop us an email with your thoughts your ideas verbal outpost at outlook.com thank you all for listening assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam assalamu alaikum